Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. For the last few weeks, we have been in our new series called Real Faith. We've been going through the book of James. And in the last few weeks, um, Daniel, Daniel was speaking to us from James chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. And, and he's been telling us that James, this is what he's calling us. He's exhorting us, saying that, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. He lifts our gaze up and he says, consider it pure joy. I mean, is he asking us to live in sort of a denial where you say that, hey, everything is fine, everything is normal, you live with a grin. Is that what he's doing? No. What he's trying to do is he's saying that, see beyond the trial itself. He says, there is something happening there as you hold on to Christ. As you keep your eyes and your gaze fixed on, the, on this father of lights, you are being changed and transformed in your inner man and you're becoming more and more like Jesus. And today in our text, I believe he applies a similar principle. He's saying that faith is not just tested by trials, but it is also assessed by the way, way we take hold of the word of God. How do we hold Hold on to the word of God. What happens in our lives? Trinity Church London, I believe this is what James is trying to communicate to us this morning. He says we are not only to be the hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. That our faith, our life, our relationship with God is not just like a creed or a YouTube channel that we subscribe to and receive notifications every now and then. But it's something that needs to impact on the person that we are becoming. The word of God needs to take root in the depth of our hearts and change the way we think, change the way we talk, and change the way we act in this life. And how we become, in doing this, all of this, how we become more and more like Jesus. A number of times we get a message with this phrase, isn't it? Just so you know. You know, and, and when you receive this message, you almost instantly understand that, hey, this is just for my information. Like in the emails we write, for your information. So you know that there's not necessarily any action that needs to be taken. This is just for me to know. It's good to know. And James is saying the word that you are holding in your hands is not there just for information. He's saying it's not there for just so you know. It's there for our transformation. It's there so that we make use of that phrase, so that we transform, so that you and me transform. For your transformation, it's there for us to live by. It's there so that this word gets sown into the soil of our hearts and the seed germinates there. It takes root and bear fruits 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Remember that parable of Jesus, where Jesus says this is a, there's a sower and the seeds fall on all sorts of different grounds. But the seeds that take root, which fall on only the fertile soil, are the ones which take root and start bearing fruits. That is what he is calling us to be. It's there so that we don't just get to know about God for knowledge's sake, but we actually get to know God himself in our walk with Jesus. As we hear the words of Jesus, as we see the works of Jesus, we get into this living relationship with him. Not just James, but Paul also writes to his spiritual son, Timothy. 
and instructs him in this way with regards to the scripture. This is what he writes. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that you and me may be complete, equipped for every good work. What is he saying? He's saying, Timothy, I know that you know this already, but let me remind you once again, this word that, that you have in your hands is not just for information. It's there so that you be transformed into the image of Christ as you walk with him. And Trinity Church London, this is our desire. This is our desire along with James this morning, that we will not be just hearers of the word, but we will be doers of the word as well. We will be doers of the word as well. Those words from Jesus where he says in John 14, whoever has my commands and keeps them, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. That's what Jesus says. He is the one who loves me. And this morning as we look at these verses, six verses, um, in this passage, we, will, we want to be those who have the words of Jesus, who will love him, not just by hearing these words, but by living these words out. Okay, so look at verse 19. James starts with this. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. That word over there can be translated as brothers and sisters. So he says, know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. So first things first is this. This is a family conversation. This is a chat between a family which is going on. He's not saying that in order to become brothers and sisters, you need to do this. You need to abide by these rules and regulations. He's saying you already are part of the family. You already are in. You already are brothers and sisters because you have put your faith in Christ already. Because you have put your faith in Christ, you already are children of God and you are brothers and sisters among each other. There is nothing else that you need to do in order to become part of this family. You are already part of this family because of this faith in Jesus. Because you have believed in what Jesus has done. Because you have believed that there is this God who has sent his son, Jesus. Because you believe that Jesus took on human flesh. Because you believe that he died on the cross for our sins. Because you believe that everything that was keeping you away from God has been taken away by this death of Jesus Christ. Because you have believed this makes you one with not just with each other but also with God. Because you have believed this good news, you already are brothers and sisters. He's, he's not saying that you need to abide by these rules and regulations. You need to do these things in order to become something. You need to prove this before you come into the family. No, he's not saying that. He's saying brothers and sisters. You are beloved. You are loved. You already are part of this family. You already are part of this family. You know, when this statement is said, there is nothing that you can do to make God love you less than he does already. And there is nothing that you can do to make God love you more than he does already. I mean, it can sound like a really nice statement to hear, isn't it? And it can become that one of those, oh, this is such a lovely statement. But to be honest, it's loaded with truth. It's loaded with reality. What is actually being said over there? What is actually being said is this, that what Jesus did on the cross cannot be negated. What Jesus did on the cross cannot be changed. It can never be undone. It can never be unaccomplished. It can never be said, oh, there is something more that needs to be done. 
Because when Jesus said, with a bang of a hammer, like in the courtroom, a bang of a hammer, Jesus said, it is finished. In different languages, finito, waitando, it is finished. Finito, acabado, finished. Murzum, it's gone, samapt, khatam, it is finished. There is nothing that needs to be added to this finished work of Jesus. So, so James here is not talking about doing something to earn this place into the family. It is finished already. There is nothing more that we need to be, we need to be doing in order to be saved. Just humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God and just believe in Jesus. Just believe in Jesus. I can't stress this point enough because we don't want to move on from this point. Because if we get this wrong, we get Christianity wrong. We get God wrong if we get this wrong. So I don't want to move away from this point quick enough. We want to press in. And we say that there is something for us to take hold of over here. Every other world religion, every other worldview says this, apart from Christianity, says this. You need to do something. You need to prove your worth. You need to, you need to do this good in order, to be, in order to please God, in order to be accepted, in order to be welcomed. Accept Christianity. And by Christianity, I mean true Christianity, true biblical Christianity, not just traditions. True biblical Christianity. This is what Jesus says, completely opposite. He says, hey, you can't do anything to, welcome in, to be welcomed in. You don't need to because I have done it all. Just depend upon what I have done. Be blown away, not by what you can do, but be blown away what God has done already for you. Amen. Be blown away by that. You're welcomed in. You're welcomed in. When God made the world, he placed himself at the center of our hearts. Because he knew that that is the only way that we will be fully, deeply, completely be satisfied with him being the center of our lives. He placed himself in the center of our lives, of our hearts. But what did we do? We preferred other things. We moved God away from this central place. And we, we preferred other things. We preferred ourselves to be in this central place. And as we did that, sin entered. As we did that, sin entered. By we trusting Jesus, his life, his death on the cross, what happens is God opens our eyes once again to move ourselves away from the central place and put God again in this central place itself. When we put our trust in Jesus' life, death and resurrection, that is what happens. That God becomes the center of our hearts, of our lives once again and God opens our eyes to this truth once again. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. And it is from this place that we are being called to be doers of the word. It is from this place that we are being called to be the doers of the word. I know I'm repeating myself, but this is worth repeating. We don't do things and work for the love of God, but we do things and work out of the love of God because God has done this for us. Because without Jesus, our best efforts to be selfless and humble are distorted with selfish motives. But with Jesus, without Jesus, once again, our, our every good work is like the Bible says, filthy rags. But with Jesus, what are we? We are God's workmanship. We are God's handiwork, called and prepared in advance to, for good works in Christ Jesus. That is who we are. So before James tells us what are we to do, he tells us this is who you are. 
already. This is who you are already. It is from this place that you work. I love the way um, the last chapter that we did in prayers of many last week, you might have seen. I, just, I was just reminded of that. I love the way that chapter started. You know, the, the word, um, the chapter family. If you were there, let me just read um, the first few, first couple of sentences that he writes. I mean, this is the book that we are doing in, in our small group. Um, every, every Wednesday evening as we meet, we go through the chapter. And this is what he writes. I know he's talking about prayer, but this can be applied for, for the word of God. This can be applied to our reading, to our hearing, to our listening to the word of God. This is, this is what he says. He says, when we pray or when we read and, and when we listen to the word of God, together we gather as to a father around a warm fire. That's so beautiful. Together we gather around the Father, around a warm fire, listening and talking and being together. As we pray together, as we read the word together, as we listen to the word together, God reveals his heart for his children. He counsels us on family matters, not as servants who do not know his master's business, but rather as co-heirs with Christ. So James is telling us, that you don't need to do anything in order to become family members. You're family members already. You're sitting with the Father around a warm fire. You're receiving from Him. It is from this place, He now says, come on now, let's do this. Let's not just be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word. And while James does that, he gives us at least two foundational teachings about this Word of God. Two foundational things. The first one, I believe, he says, how is it that we receive the Word of God? The first one is this. How do we receive the Word of God? Verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And as you read this for the first time, as I read this for the first time, I felt like, James, you're talking about behavioral changes. You're talking about behavioral traits outwardly. But as you read this more and more, he, you will understand that he's talking about something which is going on inside. He's talking about what's going on inside of your hearts. Is there a rashness to speak? Is there a quickness to, to be angry? Are you slow to speak? Are you or are you not? He's asking us these questions. Are there, is there unwillingness to listen? Come on, get rid of this. Why? Because these will keep you away from focusing on God himself. These will keep you away from God's righteousness, on focusing on God's righteousness. And as we see that, it is so prevalent in our times. And I've said this before as well, that this is in our culture, in our day and age, it feels like everybody wants to make a, make a solid point. Everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to tweet something meaty on Twitter. Everybody wants to post something really meaty on Facebook. Hey, I want to be heard. I have got something to say. Whereas James is saying, hey, slow down, slow down. I mean, there is something natural in us that makes this point. We have two ears and one mouth so that we speak less and listen more. And James says, come on, slow down, slow down. He says, look at your heart and see what's going on inside. That's where all of this is coming from because out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus says. 
out of the abundance, what is going on in your heart abundantly, out of that, the mouth speaks. So look what's going on inside of your heart. Is there anger inside your heart? Get rid of it. And this came home to me very clearly, um, very recently, I think a couple of weeks ago. I was really cross about something. I won't go into the details. But I was really cross about something. And I dropped the kids to school. It was a Monday morning, my day off. Um, I dropped the kids to school, came back, locked myself in the room and just sat quietly there, just thinking about the whole situation and the whole episode. And then I was uh, reminded that um, the preacher over here a couple of weeks ago was saying, you know what, something had happened and I just took down my journal and I wrote things down. And I said, okay, that sounds like a good idea actually. So I picked up my pen, picked up my journal and I started writing down, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that. And in that writing, I was reminded of what Tim Keller had said a while ago. Holy Spirit just sort of got reminded me of that. And he asked me this question with such a, such a point in my head. He's like, what is it that you are loving so much right now in your heart that is making you angry? What is it that you are loving so much right now in your heart that is making you angry? And as I saw the whole essay that I had written down in my journal, I came across statements like, I have done this, I have done that, I have done this, I, this is how I have been this, da, 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 all of that. It was myself. It was all about self-love. There was a pride, there was ego, there was self-esteem, and all of that was not being fed at that point, and that was the reason why I was angry. I would suggest that out of ten, nine times out of ten, it is about self-love that we get angry about because our, our ego has not been fed, our pride has not been fed. It is about our self-esteem which has been hurt here and there. And that's when we, don't, we get angry. What do we do about this? What do we do about this? Look at verse 21. James writes, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We do exactly what James tells us to do. We analyze the situation. We go back to Jesus. We ask his forgiveness. Say, Lord, we messed up. But I depend upon your grace. I depend upon your mercy. I depend upon your, your faithfulness. Your Holy Spirit who will strengthen me and help me. We analyze the situation, humble ourselves, ask forgiveness and then apply this implanted word from God which is able to save our souls. What is this implanted word? Let me tell you what it is not first and then we'll get to what is this implanted word. I would suggest that it is not self-help programs. It is not about self-help programs where, now I, I know I'm oversimplifying but in, in a gist, this is what, this is what happens. Like, there is positivity inside you. Come on, you can do this. You can do this. This is what you will hear. Like, come on, it has to come from within. Come on, it is positive. Positivity here, there. Come on, you can do this. But what happens when it doesn't come out? What happens on days when you don't feel like? You don't feel like. You don't feel positive at all. It will make you hear all sorts of positive things about you and then eventually tell you that positivity has to come from within. So that's self-help programs. I would suggest that that is not the implanted word. What about um, uh, more willpower? 
more strength. Come on, we just need more willpower and more strength and then everything will be fine. You know, on a happy day, you might be able to manufacture some willpower and some strength from within. But what about the days when we feel rotten and we feel bad? I'm like, no, I don't want to get up out of my bed. No, I don't want to do that. What about those days? Where will we, able, we, will be, where will be, we be able to manufacture any self-willpower uh, or self-strength on those days? So it's not the self-help programs. It's not more willpower or more strength that comes from within. But it has to be something outside of ourselves. Outside of ourselves. James says again, implanted word of God needs to be applied. That has the power to save our souls. And I would say, this is the implanted word of God. The gospel is the implanted word. Something that comes outside of ourselves. Something that is not dependent upon our emotional state, whether we are feeling happy or sad. Something which is rock solid for us. And what is that? That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. That is the truth that there is a God who loves you. There is a God who is for you and not against you. That there is a God who has sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that we can be away from those things which separate us and our maker. And we can be one with God. There is this truth that everything will change but he will never, never change. That is this truth, rock solid foundation on which we stand and say, hey, there is something outside of ourselves which will never, never change. That is the implanted word of God. The perfect life that he lived, the death that he died taking away our sins. And even this death cannot separate us from this love of God. Why? Because he died and he rose again. And because he rose again, we will rise again. And as we make our hearts understand this never-changing truth, as we apply this to our hearts over and over and over again, there becomes a seed, that, there goes a seed that starts to take roots. And it is from that place that we start bearing fruits. That's the implanted word of God. When this takes roots, God's words on our heart changes things. What does that look like practically? What does that look like practically? It, it looks like if you are someone over here who's saying, I do not know this. I'm hearing this probably for the first time, probably for the second time. I do not know this. What do I need to do? Take hold of Jesus. Take hold of Jesus. Maybe someone over here is saying, I'm just waiting for that really cool physical experience. I want to see my name written on the clouds and that, that day I will believe. Come on. As long as it's called today, believe. Trust in Christ. Give it a go. Give it a go. For someone who feels, I've got more questions about this Jesus. What does it look like in that situation? It looks like, don't stop asking questions. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. And eventually, you will find the truth. And the truth will be Jesus. How about those of us who are already consider ourselves Christians? How about those, what does that look like for us? And it looks like quite similar. We go back to Christ and we ask for the gospel grace over and over and over again. And while we do that, we bring all the areas of our life into the light of the gospel. Every area of our life needs to be drenched, I would suggest, in the gospel. Even those evenings 
when you feel like, oh, I've really worked hard the whole week. I have earned my right. I can, I can keep going. I know I've had enough, but I can keep going. That's all right. I've earned this right of resting this way. That area of the life, life needs to be come. Needs to come under the light of the gospel. What about those hours when, you keep, when we keep scrolling through the videos and just waste and find rest in that? You're like, oh, what is this? What is this? What is this? That area of our life needs to come under the light of the gospel. What about those places where we try to go on websites where you wouldn't go with an accountability partner sitting next to you? No, that needs to come under the light of the gospel. And I'm not standing over here pointing my fingers to you guys saying, you need to do this. I'm counting, I'm asking these questions to myself as well. Every area of our lives need to, needs to come under the light of the gospel if we want to see any change in ourselves by the grace of God. Every area. God is interested in all of us, in the whole of us, in every compartment of our lives. He is interested in. And so as we consider these questions, as we look at every area of our life in the light of the gospel, James says, there are either of two ways that we can respond. There are either of two ways that one will respond. You know, this is the second one. How do we, first one was, how do we take hold of the gospel? How do we receive this word of God? But secondly, how do we respond to the word of God? Look at verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man who looks intently in his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So here are two ways that we can respond. The first kind of hearing that James is describing is, is not a superficial hearing. There, there, is a, there is a scrutiny going on. There is attention going on over here. But he says he's looking at it intently. He's looking at the word intently. He looks into the mirror. Like for example, if you are getting ready to go out somewhere, you look at yourself intently into the mirror. And you said, oh, you missed a spot there. I mean, for me, it's the whole face that I have missed. But <laughs> well, you missed a spot there. And you look, oh, yeah, I have missed a spot. Yes, yes, I keep looking. But as soon as move away from the mirror, forgotten what I'm looking, what I'm looking like. And that is how James is describing the first person to be. He says, there is scrutiny going on. He's reading the word. He's looking intently into the word. He, as the Bible opens up, he, his heart opens up as, as a mirror. His heart it can be seen. Everything can, that is in his heart can be seen like a mirror. But as soon as the word is shut, as soon as the sermon is over, as soon as we walk out, this person, nothing changes. Because his only hearing goes in from one ear, out from the other. There's nothing that changes. And James says, this is not to be done with this word. But then there is another way that we can respond. And the response of this other person is in verse 25. He says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the word of truth, the one that sets free, the implanted word, and perseveres. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. We are even commended to follow this person. To do things as this person does. He perseveres. He doesn't stop at looking. He doesn't walk away from the word. He keeps staring intently. And he perseveres. He says, what, what needs to change in my life? 
What needs to change in my life? What does it look like practically? Look at one of the concerns or issues in Jack's life. You know, maybe some kind of addiction, some kind of, um, I don't know, smoking or, or pornography. And something needs to come into the light. You know, it's a Sunday morning, he goes to church. And at church, Jack is sitting and the preacher is talking about the holiness of God. And Jack hears that. And he, he looks intently. What are the ways in which he can respond? Number one, he hears intently. He hears the word of God. says, hmm, that's true. That is so true. But then as soon as the word is over, he goes out and nothing changes. That's the first way that James talks about. Looking into the mirror, go out, forget about it, nothing changes. Second way, he hears the word of God. He says, yes, there is something that needs to change. But, look at the holiness of God. Look at his righteousness. He looks up. He looks at himself. He feels guilty. He feels broken. He feels like a worm inside. And he goes into that turbine of downward over and over again. And he keeps sinking in that and in that. And he stays there. That's probably the second type of hearing. There is another type of hearing and listening which James is talking about. Jack sits, hears, knows there is something that needs to change. He hears the word of God. He takes hold of it. He knows there is conviction going on in his heart and mind. What the Holy Spirit is doing in his heart. There is something that needs to change. He takes account of the whole situation. He takes hold of his brothers and sisters around him. He gets hold of them. He confesses his sins. He takes hold of the gospel. Goes to Jesus. Asks forgiveness. Asks for the Holy Spirit. Asks for strength. He looks to Jesus, not just who can forgive his past, present and future sins, which he does already, definitely. But he also looks for grace and strength to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus says, sin no more. Sin no more. We don't use God to run away from God. Just because Jesus has died. Yeah, I've got the license. I can keep going. We don't use God to run away from God. God is calling us in. God is saying there is grace, there is strength. You're not going to be alone. And as Jack stands and, and chats with Jesus, Jesus stands with open arms. Come on. And gives him a hug. And you know what? It doesn't end there. Jack falls again. He sins again. But Jesus, come on again. I'll pick you up again. He sins again and he picks up again. But as he does that, in this walk with Christ, He's becoming more and more and more like Jesus. That is what we are being called to, brothers and sisters. And while all of this happens, while all of this happens, James leaves us with an encouragement. He says, you will be blessed in your doing. That's an added encouragement. You will be blessed in your doing. As you give yourself to Christ over and over again, as you confess your sins to each other, you will be blessed in your doing. Everything has gone really quiet. <laughs> Let me share a cool story. Um, last year, in about July or August, last year summer, um, we, we had already been in the UK for five years, and Nam and myself, we were chatting about going to Birmingham and 
you know, travel there and how do we do this? What, what do we do about things? And how do, we, how do we get to know Birmingham? We don't have a car. It would be really helpful to have a car and so on and so forth. So there were a number of conversations that were going on between us about car. And every time we had the conversation, we had to like come out of it in a, in a both of us, a little bruised with ourselves and with each other. And that morning, it was a Monday morning again, days off are just like that. Monday morning again, we said, okay, you know what? Let's just talk about this and sort this out once and for all. You know, we said, okay. We, will, we looked at our bank accounts. We said, okay, we need a car definitely. Now that it's no, it was no more a desire or a want. It, was, it had become a need because of the stages of life that we were in with, with kids. So like, okay, yes, we need a car. Look at the balance. Look at, look at the numbers. We can't afford a car. And we didn't just park the idea, no pun intended, but we actually buried the idea. We said, God, we can't do this. It's fine. I mean, even though I said that with a stiff upper lip, like, okay, it's fine. We can't do this. We were going to pick um, Isaac and Shifa from school. And in the afternoon, we saw a couple saying, oh, we had a great time over half term. We drove here, we drove there. And it was like, oh, don't rub it in, please. Come on, don't rub this in. And like, we looked to God and like, okay, fine. Yeah, we, we're not doing anything. We had buried the idea of having a car. This was a Monday morning, Monday afternoon. The same evening, there was a couple who was visiting us, visiting our house. And we were just chatting normal stuff. We didn't mention anything about what happened during the day or anything of that sort. And this couple says, we have been told by God to put aside this amount, put aside this amount of money. And you can do only one thing with that money. I was looking at it and I'm like, okay. You can only buy a car with this and use nowhere else. If you would say that I can't buy a car with this money, I won't give you the money. <laughs> like, okay. And at that point of time, we were, we were struck. Like, Lord, what is this that you, this morning, we all, we, we buried the idea of, we can't do this. We can't do this. Look at, look at what is happening. But this evening, God sends someone, he says, this is what you get. And this is, this is just the grace of God. I mean, imagine after five years, I would have come back and said, hey, look how much we saved. How well did we do? Look how well we have managed our life, our finances. And now we have a car. God said, this is grace. This is a gift. This is not something that you work for. This is a gift. And I was just reminded of that story when James said, as you act, as you keep going by his grace and mercy, as you take hold of Jesus, this is by no way prosperity gospel, okay? I'm not saying believe in Jesus and everything else in life will be sorted. That's not what I'm saying. That is absolutely not what I'm saying. But as you trust God, as you give yourself to him, as you take steps of faith in him, God says, you keep going. I am the one who is going to provide. I'm the one who is going to bless. And, and James says, he will be blessed in his doing. And we feel that God, you did this for us. And we are blessed. We are blessed. Not that everything is cakewalk again. Not everything is cakewalk. But as we take steps of faith, God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. Amen. Trinity Church London, let me just quickly summarize. We are called to be the doers of the word, not just hearers. Again, this is not to earn a place in the family. We already are part of the family. 
It is from this place that we are being called to, to love, to act, to live as per the word. This is doing as a result of what the Father has done for us already. How? In sending this perfect doer with a capital D. This Jesus, what he has done for us because of his submission to the Father's will. His words, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Not my will, Father, but let your will be done. Because of his perfect obedience, who did the will of the Father and opened up the way for us to be part of this family. There is this invitation for us to trust him, to follow him, to act on this word, to not just be hearers, but be doers of the word. Man, can I please...